Welcome to Restoration Church. This is Pastor Rachel, and we are in the middle of a series on the presence of God. Today we're going to talk about how the presence of God transforms us. Now we have some core values here at Restoration, and one of them is to be inspired and led by the Holy Spirit into a life of faithful spiritual practices that invites transformation. You see, God's presence in believers is always at work, shaping our minds, our hearts, our thoughts towards the likeness of Christ. We begin to desire the things that bring life rather than death. The things that used to appeal to us don't appeal to us any longer. The things that we didn't used to be drawn to, we are now drawn to. We begin to transform into a different person, a person more towards the image of Christ. Romans 12.2 tells us, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So there are many ways that the presence of God transforms us. Today, we're just going to pick five of those. We're going to talk about how the presence of God transforms us into the practice of witnessing. The presence of God transforms us into a practice of repentance. The presence of God transforms us into the practice of forgiveness. The presence of God transforms us into the practice of truth. And the presence of God transforms us into the practice of his word. Now, the first one that we're going to unpack is transformed into a witness to Jesus' work. Acts 1.8 tells us, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You see, the The disciples were called on to bear witness, to tell the story of Jesus to the world. And it's the same today. We are called to tell the story of who Jesus is to our world. Every witness, we have our own filters through which we imagine our stories, we tell our stories. You know, it's interesting if you have any sibling groups, someone will remember a story and you were there. And they'll tell a story and you'll think, what? I was there. It was nothing like that. But you see, the way that they saw that was through their filter. And it becomes their truth, even if it's not necessarily completely true. And you know that there's parts of that that didn't happen the way they said. It becomes their story and you can't argue with them. And that's why... God says this in Proverbs 14, 25, a truthful witness saves lives, but one who breathes out lies is deceitful. And in Deuteronomy 19, 15, a single witness shall not suffice against a person for any crime or for any wrong in connection with any offense that he has committed. Only on the evidence of two witnesses or of three witnesses shall a charge be established. So I got to thinking about this whole witness thing how God knew that we would be susceptible to certain beliefs or certain filters or or certain ideologies as we're witnessing things. And 
I remembered the 60 Minutes interview years ago about a man named Ronald Cotton. In 1985, the eyewitness testimony of one person put him away for sexual assault. And he, he claimed he was innocent, but this eyewitness put him there. Uh, she identified him in a lineup. She was sure that Ronald Cotton was the man who had done this thing to her. Well, a year or two after he got into jail, another person came into the jail, and his name was Bobby Poole. And he was telling people that Ronald was doing time for his crime and that he had actually done another crime on another woman that evening later. And so when Ronald Cotton heard this, he kind of, he kind of you know, got excited, like maybe this is my chance to prove that I'm innocent. And there was another trial that came. And so this time, Bobby Poole was sitting right in the courtroom, and Ronald just knew that this was his chance, that this was the time that Jennifer was going to say, wait, I was wrong. It was actually, and point to Bobby. But you see, that's not what happened. So the trial went on, and actually Ronald was accused and uh, put away a second time for both crimes now. Now, this was before DNA evidence, and so there was really just the eyewitness uh, that put him away. And the 60 Minutes interview is really interesting that you, you should watch it sometime. But she, she is interviewed after that, and she says, I was just mad that they would dare to, to make me come in here and do this all over again. And, and I know that Ronald is the one who did this. She was just so sure of herself. Well, 1995, 10 years after the original um, trial, DNA evidence finally exonerated him, and it pointed to Bobby Poole after all, after 10 years. And his accuser, Jennifer Thompson, was stunned, stunned to realize that she had picked out the wrong person in a lineup. According to Innocence Project, which are the ones that undertook this, 375 convictions have been overturned since the advent of DNA testing, including 21 who were on death row. And here's some interesting things that they've discovered since the advent of DNA. They've been doing a lot of research into eyewitness testimony. And they have studies that show that 69% of these were actually based on faulty eyewitness testimony of these 375 convictions that were overturned. These were good-intentioned people who truly believed that they saw what they saw, but it turned out not to be true. 84% of those faulty eyewitnesses were actually the victim themselves. So as these cases were starting to get overturned, there was a lot of research around eyewitness testimony, and here's what they found out. Memory is actually very easily contaminable. In every case of DNA exonerating after false eyewitnesses, the real perpetrator was not actually in the initial lineup. You see, there was no truth in front of them, only a lineup of lies, of false narratives. According to a Science Journal article published in 2018, the research is clear that eyewitness identification is vulnerable to distortion without even the witness being aware. We don't even know that we're not seeing things correctly. More specifically, the assumption that memories like this video machine that just accurately 
takes fo- uh, video is, is incorrect. We're biased. Our video cameras are actually noticing and exaggerating certain things, minimizing and overlooking other things. You see, we love our narratives. I love a good story. And it's very highly persuasive. But what we're finding is it's not always accurate. And that is why it's critical for us to understand that we bear witness to the story of Jesus in context with the other people of God, with the collective testimony of his word that he has given us. Collectively, with all of this, we tell the story of Jesus and the difference he has made in our lives. Does our witness of the life of Jesus Christ line up with the DNA evidence? You see, we bear the DNA of God, of Jesus, of his spirit within us. This faith journey was never intended to be taken alone or out of context with the truth of the scripture and the collective truth of others that are on this journey with us. The practice that comes along with this is that as a local body of Christ, we should show and tell the story of God in our lives. Every chance we get to our families, to our workplaces, to our community, to our world with accountability to others and to God, not trusting all of our narratives all of the time. Sometimes we get off course and we need someone to kind of gently remind us that's actually not within the testimony of who God is. So I want you to just take a moment, maybe write this down for later if you're listening to this as a podcast, but in a couple of sentences, bear witness to the transformative work of Jesus in your life and start with the line, I know a man. The second point that I want to make is that we're transformed into the practice of repentance. We're transformed away from sin, Colossians 2, 13 and 14. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh... God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Once and for all, every sin that we've ever done, will do, has been nailed to the cross. But you know what? If we don't get into the practice of confession and repentance, it blocks our intimacy with God. Proverbs 28, 13, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Proverbs 1, 23, repent at my rebuke. Then I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make known to you my teachings. You see, we block that. God transferring his thoughts to us. He's making known to us, revealing within us who he is because our sin gets in our way. It blocks our view of who God is. First John 1 9 says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now back to this Ronald Cotton and Jennifer Thompson story that was done by 60 Minutes. There was a moment after the trial, and and Jennifer was trying to wrestle through the shame and the guilt of what she had 
caused the pain and suffering that she had caused for Ronald. And she could not get him out of her dreams. And like when she imagined or had dreams or thought about anything to do with that night, his face was still there. Now she knew that he wasn't, but see her brain couldn't get that out. And so she said, I've got to meet him. So she arranged a meeting with him at a church at her church, actually. And, and she, she looks, they sit down together, and she says to him, there is nothing I could do ever to, to take back all of this, to give you back what I have taken from you. You see, she confessed. She repented. She had to because she, her heart wasn't free. Her soul wasn't free. Her mind wasn't free without that confession and repentance. So the practice that we have with this as the people of God is to clear the air daily between you and God. Imagine your day, go through your day, you know, do an examination of your day and think, okay, God, is there anything here that wasn't right? Is there something I did that didn't reflect who you are very well? And make it right with the person. Perhaps you offended someone. Perhaps you just offended God and you. Psalm 139, 23 through 24 says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's a prayer that we should be praying daily. Lord, search me, know me, try me, show me, lead me. And here's the incredible promise of God. He will lead you into conviction, never condemnation. It will never lead to destruction. It will only lead to life. It will reconcile you to him. It will clear the air. Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You see, Satan would have you condemned. I'm a failure. What's the point? I'm going to give up anyway. I'll never be able to do this faith journey. And the Holy Spirit says, of course you can do it. I'm here with you. We're doing this thing together. Come on, get back up. We should always be making progress in being transformed into the image of Christ. Because Galatians 2.20 says, it is no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. The third point we want to make is transformed into forgiveness. We must learn to live within a framework of being forgiven and extending forgiveness to others. Mark eleven twenty five says this, and whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone so that your father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Now, this is an interesting scripture. It doesn't say wait for them to repent and confess and then extend forgiveness. It says when you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone. See, we forgive because we were forgiven because while we were yet sinners, God sent his son for us. We can never withhold forgiveness after having received so much from him. In this 60 Minutes interview, this meeting in the church continues. And here's what Ronald says to Jennifer after she confesses and repents. He says, I forgive you. Those three words. And then he goes on to say, I just want us both to be happy. 
They have since co-written a book about their story called Picking Cotton and are on the speaking circuit telling their story of redemption to different groups of people. And then I have to imagine, why are we so shocked by forgiveness as Christians, as people of faith? This should be our normal. We should expect this story where Ronald could forgive even somebody who had taken 10 years of his freedom away. Because God forgives us. So our practice is to live a lifestyle of forgiveness. We receive it. We extend it. We all need it. We take inventory and notice any bitterness towards another person while we're praying. And we pray for those people who have offended us. We pray for the love of God to transform our thoughts toward them. When you run out of love, I can guarantee you, Ask God for some more. He's got plenty to share. And he will just infuse you with love that defies understanding. We need to give others permission to process the world differently and not always hold them to our personal standard or who our personality is. We have to, that's a type of forgiveness. There might be somebody you're thinking about right now that you just have withheld forgiveness. And maybe they deserve it. Maybe what they did is in in our world considered unforgivable. But see, we're Christians. Our minds are somewhere else. So I'm going to ask you just to take a couple seconds here and just extend forgiveness to somebody who you've been harboring bitterness against. Just offer a quick prayer of forgiveness. The fourth piece of this is to be transformed by his truth. John 16, 13. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. And he will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. So if you continue watching the 60 minutes, you're going to find out that lineups prove more accurate when you compare photos one at a time against your memory rather than against each other. And so we have to really, as Christians, we have to compare our spiritual narrative against God's word itself. We're lining up against the truth, not against a bunch of untruths. And I think so often that's how we get uh, discouraged is that we compare to all these other untruths rather than lining up our story against God's word. So our practice is to study the character and person of God so that we can recognize the truth when we see it, either by itself or in a lineup, we will recognize it. And that we will prayerfully line up any lies with the truth of who God is. Now, there are so many times that that we can get deceived by Bad thought patterns, patterns of thoughts that maybe have haunted us for years or decades that are lies. We know they're lies. So call them out as lies, but also line them up against the truth of who God is. Does that even sound like something God would do or say or feel towards us? You see, we blame him a lot for the lies that we believe, but he is a God of truth. 
So think about a lineup in your imagination, something that you keep bringing up and replay and replay and replay where God's truth is nowhere to be found and confess it. Number five, transformed through his word, now revealed in us. Now, I'm going to read from the First Nations version. This is a version, uh, a translation of scripture that was put out recently. Um, Many tribes, uh, Indian tribes from around America got together and put out this beautiful translation. Um, And there's a different, different perspective of it. There's a a respect for the earth and an honoring of the earth and the animals and the elements. And I think it's a a beautiful representation of these two passages that we'll read here. So 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. All the sacred teachings come from the breath of the great spirit and help us to teach others about creator's ways. They help us correct wrong thinking and bring lives into balance. They show the good and right way to walk the road of life. In this way, those who walk with the great spirit will have everything that is needed to do good things for others. His truth revealed in us from the breath of God so that We can help others. They help correct wrong thinking, bring our lives into balance, and they show us the good and right way to walk. So our practice for the word is to read God's word with a sense of wonder and godly imagination. Place yourself in stories as different characters. Just let the, maybe you need the audio version sometimes just to let the words pour over you. Maybe reading different translations Just different ways to sit in the wonder of God's word. Trust the Holy Spirit to reveal God's truths and words in us and through us. So we have the presence of God that transforms us into the practice of witnessing. And we tell his story as a practice. Number two, with the presence of God transforms us into a practice of repentance. And so we do a daily examination and ask God to search us so that we can know what we need to confess and to get rid of and to repent from, which means to turn away. Number three, the presence of God transforms us into the practice of forgiveness. We build a framework of our lives around extending and receiving forgiveness, everything around us in forgiveness. Number four, the presence of God transforms us into the practice of truth. Make sure that God's truth is in your lineup. Line your story, your narrative, the way that you see the world up against his truth. And finally, the presence of God transforms us into the practice of his word. So meditate with a godly imagination. Love the word of God. Find ways to approach it from different directions so that you're constantly learning new things. So I'm going to end this time together with another uh, passage from the First Nations Version, and it's Romans 12.2. And I just want you to close your eyes and receive this as a prayer. 
Do not permit the ways of this world to mold and shape you. Instead, let Creator change you from the inside out in the way a caterpillar becomes a butterfly. He will do this by giving you a new way of thinking, seeing, and walking. And then you will know for sure what the Great Spirit wants for you. The things that are good, that make the heart glad, and that help you to walk the path of becoming a mature and true human being. So let us agree together to be inspired and led by the Holy Spirit into a life of faithful spiritual practices that invites transformation. And we're going to close with Psalm 105.4 as our congregational prayer. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Thank you for joining us.